0: I invite your attention to the public reading of the scriptures uh, found in the book of the Acts, chapter 8, reading verses 26 through verse 40. So uh, let us hear the word of the Lord. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: One of the uh, great themes of the uh, book of Acts uh, is uh, the power of the word of God. We'll see that here this morning, uh, not only in its outreach to uh, an Ethiopian uh, but really what it uh, what it signifies in a in a broader scale a broader sense. Uh, we know that it is broken out of Jerusalem uh, is uh, at work in Samaria where it will claim a court official from Africa uh, in witness of the grace of God and power. I'm gonna look uh, just at a couple of uh, snapshots, first the narrative of the text, but the, the sense of the power of the word here is way beyond the narrative. Uh, it's in a very powerful theological illusion. But let's begin with the narrative. Uh, word of God is sovereign. Uh, here it's going to save a man without distinction. It's going to tear down a barrier that is radically important for uh, each of us in our understanding of our place in the world. That God in His word tears down barriers that previously existed. Uh, well, we have the sovereignty of uh, god in this narrative of bringing two very unique uh, different men together that's obviously a, an element of power uh, obviously behind the scenes god is orchestrating everything uh, as he is in all things we you know we forget that uh, seemingly this is a chance event but you and i know there is no such thing in Uh, chance in a theistic uh, universe, uh, because God is always orchestrating events. So a court official of the Queen of Ethiopia is uh, returning home from Jerusalem. Uh, He's either a Gentile proselyte or a God-fearer, we don't don't really know, but he's in Jerusalem, ostensibly we would say to worship God. Uh, It's very important you recognize uh, his identity as a eunuch, uh, because uh, he could not enter the inner court of the temple. He was forbidden to enter. The scriptures forbade his entry uh, into the inner court. Uh, and this is about to change in the power of God. Uh, this really radical event. Uh, it's important to remember that God in His uh, sovereign grace uh, wants this man The time is now, and God's not going to be denied. Of course, you and I uh, know from the sovereignty of God over all things that He's never denied. God could be denied, He wouldn't be God. Uh, And He's not going to be denied in orchestrating uh, the events here. Uh, He issues a series of commands to His servant Philip. If you look at Acts chapter 8, verse 26 arise and go south. going to encounter a carriage. Uh, so verse 29, go and join. Uh, it is a uh, reminder to us that in the sovereignty of God, he also is sovereign over the use of means, and Philip is such a means. So out of obedience, uh, what does Philip do? Well, uh, the beauty of the text, uh, he arose and went. Uh, it's important for us to recognize, uh, never downplay that, uh, in the sovereignty of God, because he is sovereign, we should obey. Uh, sometimes uh, God interrupts us. Always wonder, what in the world was Philip doing? And God interrupts him and says, go south on this road. Uh, God in his sovereignty interrupts us on occasion. Uh, and so we should uh, pay attention, uh, of course, in obedience. And he comes across as court official. Uh, I know it as a setup. Uh, Seemingly an unlikely event. Go south of the road, that leads out of Jerusalem, uh, comes across this carriage. It's a good reminder for us, again, the sovereignty of God, that our meetings and encounters are never by chance. It's one of the points of the text where uh, sovereignty of God, the means of Philip, and of course, the word uh, come together in a uh, Majestic uh, collusion, if you will. Very interesting to me, in a humorous side, that Phil, uh sees this carriage and he has to run to catch up. Does he need a workout or something? I, mean, I don't. Uh, but I can just imagine, you know, why couldn't God have made it easier? Well, he has to run and catch up. It's never easy in terms of witness. One of the things that we should pay attention to. If we go through the book of Acts, there's always witness. There's always the witness of the Word. It's always going to encounter difficult circumstances. It's never easy to witness. The point is in recognition of uh, God's sovereignty and the power of His Word. Uh, I'm reminded of a, of a very beautiful text uh, respecting Philip. Uh, if you think back to uh, Psalm 110, verse Three, thy people will volunteer freely in the day of thy power. Philip is a volunteer. Why does he volunteer? Because of the power of God. The power of God has moved Philip, uh, moves him, of course, to faith in Christ. It's going to move him to carry that witness to an unlikely individual. Freely in the day of thy power. Uh, you and I uh, need to recognize in our own lives that uh, absent the power of God, we would have never come to faith. Uh, our hearts were closed and God kicked the door down. Uh, it's also interesting in the, uh, in the Psalter uh, in terms of uh, Philip having to run to catch up. Psalm 147, verse 15. He sends forth his command to the earth. His Word runs very swiftly. Uh, just the majesty of the collusion here between Philip and the Word. And the Word's going to run going to run to ground uh, this uh, uh, Ethiopian. Uh, and of course, uh, God uses the means of his of His word, verse verse 31. Uh, he's reading the prophet. Philip asks him if he understands. Uh, he, he doesn't. Uh, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invites Philip to come up and uh, uh, sit with them. Uh, very, very easy setup. I remind you, Oftentimes, it's not quite so easy. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, it's a reminder that we're always to use the scripture. Uh, ultimately, God's going to use his scripture to secure whatever outcome he desires. Uh, the encounter we know from uh, verse 35 and following includes uh, belief and uh, in baptism. The word of God is explained to the eunuch, he believes, he's baptized. Uh, and when the witness is over, God moves. Philip away for future missions and encounters. Uh, So he preaches to the uh, eunuch uh, when the encounter's uh, over with. uh, We read in verse 39, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more, uh, but he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip uh, found his way to Azotus as he passed through. He kept preaching The gospel in all the cities until he came to Caesarea. So a divine encounter, uh, seemingly by chance, but again, there is no chance. Uh, Important theme here is uh, continual witness of Philip, the continual witness of the word, and it keeps advancing. It's always advancing. The word is not an active uh, element uh, in our society today. It's not Pardon me. It's not a passive element. It's always active. Uh, Let's let's rehearse, of course, uh, some of the beauty of uh, of uh, the theology behind the event, just simply in the power of the word of God. Uh, Matthew uh, chapter thirteen, the great parable of the sower. uh, Christ is sowing the word uh, in in the world. Uh, On one such encounter. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, well, that's, that's the eunuch. He doesn't understand it. But Matthew says the evil comes and snatches away what had been sown in his heart. So there's a brief momentary encounter with the word, but the devil comes, snatches it away. Doesn't happen with the eunuch, does it? Why is that? Uh, because uh, God sent the word to save him. And uh, while Satan wanted to keep uh, the court official, uh, God prevented him, denied him, uh, and gathered him. Uh, And and you and I see that. We're going to preach the word and sometimes there's an apparent response and then it just simply withers, uh, meaning theologically that Satan has come and snatched it away. Uh, Our hope in the gospel is that uh, that's out of our hands. Uh, that's an area where we have no power. Only God, uh, God, of course, in power, keeps that from happening. Gathers the heart. Uh, another beautiful expression of uh, uh, of the word in uh, John, uh, John chapter ten, uh, and, uh, and verse sixteen. And I have other sheep are not which are not of this fold. Obviously, the other sheep is a reference to the Gentiles. Uh, The the eunuch is a Gentile. Uh, Other sheep which are not of this fold, I must bring them also. So they're going to come. How is it that they come? Because Christ brings them the power of the great shepherd. His power. Uh, You and I share the word, but it takes the power uh, that's much, much greater than us. It's a power inherent in the word. It's the power, of course, ultimately in the great shepherd of the sheep who gathers those whom he wills to gather. Uh, And notice what uh, the great shepherd says. I bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they shall become one flock uh, with one shepherd. Uh, Very interesting, as you know, in the immediate context, uh, there's a reference to the hireling who, when he sees the wolf, he flees. The great shepherd, when he sees the wolf, he doesn't have to flee. Uh, he simply sends the wolf on his way. Uh, and so the wolf cannot get at uh, uh, the eunuch. Uh, again, the, the majesty majesty of the Word of God. Uh, it, it does remind me of uh, previous texts that we have looked at in uh, the prophecy of uh, Isaiah. Uh, great reminder... Again, to the power of the Word. Isaiah 45, 23, God says, I've sworn by myself the Word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness and will not turn back. The great dispatch of the Scriptures. Obviously, in the written Word of God, uh, in the Scriptures, uh, but behind the Scriptures, God using His own voice, and uh, that voice does not turn back. It's going to gather everything uh, that it uh, that it wants uh, cannot be denied. Another parallel text: Isaiah fifty-five eleven. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth; it shall not return to me empty. Notice the notice the discrimination there. In Matthew thirteen, uh, the word is uh, planted in a very shallow way; the devil snatches it away. In the case of uh, the African eunuch. Uh, doesn't return empty. Uh, That's the one God wanted, and God gets him. Shall not return unto me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter to which I send it. Just the sovereignty of the Word of God. Uh, It is a reminder that the uh, uh, entirety of our own salvation is uh, inextricably linked to the sovereign uh, God and His Word. Uh, Intervening are many means. I mean, I I don't know what means were uh, active in your life. Uh, Someone was declaring the word in some way. Uh, Perhaps uh, faithful and godly parents were praying, or grandparents. Uh, God uh, raises up different means, uh, always at work, uh, but behind it, His power uh, because God is sovereign, again, Philip uh, keeps on preaching the gospel. Uh, really the power here of uh, our own recognition that there is a witness to us, but there's also a witness in us. God saves us, and then that witness is to be carried on. Uh, so uh, the force of the Greek text in, in uh, Acts uh, chapter 8, verse 40, he kept on. He, he didn't stop preaching. So that reminded to us that uh, we are also the means and God controls the beginning uh, and the uh, outcome and everything in between. But what is more decisive about this text beyond this very quick overview of the historic narrative uh, is uh, a... uh, theological fulfillment that's really radical in the text. Because the word doesn't just gather this one man, uh, it tears down a a barrier that previously existed. If you remember, I uh, uh, mentioned a moment ago that uh, the eunuch uh, was forbidden to enter the inner court of the temple. He could not go there. By the way, neither could Gentiles if they were proselytes or God-fearers. Uh, we, uh, we talk a lot about discrimination in our age. Illustration, of course, from the Word of God in the Old Testament. But That's about to change in a very radical way. In a theological allusion to the reality of exclusion and uh, segregation. Uh, in the Old Testament, as you know, certain classes of... Uh, of men uh, were excluded uh, from, from the cultist uh, temple, its inner sanctums. Let's look at a couple of those texts because they're very important. Uh, I'm turn in your Old Testament, Leviticus 21, uh, verse 17. Uh, God is uh, speaking to Aaron. And God says to Aaron, No man of your offspring throughout their generation who has a defect shall approach to offer the bread of his God. Aaron's in the priestly line. God says, any of your sons or grandsons or great-grandsons have a defect. Uh, They cannot minister. Uh, text goes on to, to... illustrate what some of those defects are, the blind, the lame, the disfigured, the deformed. Well, I mean, I don't know about you, but that certainly catches me. Uh, If you think about your own life, there's always some kind of defect. Uh, Doesn't necessarily have to be physical, but there's a radical spiritual defect to be sure. Our hearts are dead. Uh, Another text that's important, Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 1 and 2. Deuteronomy 23, verses 1 and 2. And this really speaks to the heart of Acts chapter 8. Uh, God, in issuing a law, says no one who is emasculated shall enter the assembly of the Lord. He's segregated out. He cannot enter. Verse verse 2 of Deuteronomy 23. uh, No one of an illegitimate birth shall enter the assembly of the Lord. Then he goes on to Uh, to speak of uh, of foreigners. Well, that's tough. I mean, but it's the Word of God. Uh, It's divinely written, I think, to pretend the coming of a greater day when all these things will change. Uh, To to highlight the power of Christ, uh, the essence of the death of Christ and what it means uh, in tearing down a barrier. And in that regard, the prophets tell of a time when, uh, when, when this will end and uh, Jesus will affect that end. So if you have your Old Testament, let's look at that prophecy. And the point of the prophecy is to awaken the desire for the segregation to end. Why am I excluded? Why am I kept away? Why can't I go there and be there? What awakens our desire for the coming of Christ. Isaiah chapter. 56, pardon me, verses uh, 3 and 7. Speaks of a time of the grace of God. Uh, Very beautiful text. Uh, Let me me simply read it, uh, and then we'll think about the theological fulfillment. Isaiah 56, again, uh, reading verses 3 to 7. Let not the foreigner who adjoins himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from His people. Neither let the eunuchs say, behold, I'm a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant, to them I will give in my house and within my walls a memorial. And a name better than that of the sons and daughters, I will give them an everlasting name which will not be cut off. Kind of a beautiful wordplay there if you think of the eunuch. Uh, but his memory is not going to be cut off. Power of the grace of God now invading uh, the world. Uh, verses 6, "...and also to the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to Him and to love the name of the Lord, to be His servants, everyone who keeps from profaning the Sabbath." and hold fast My name, even those I will bring to My holy mountain and make them joyful in My house of prayer. So Isaiah is prophesying of a time in which the law of Moses is going to be radically changed. Uh, Christ is that change. The greater lawgiver. Uh, The eunuch here could very well be a figure of speech synecdoche for others like him, the leper, the blind, the lame, uh, whatever defects uh, are present in the world. Again, the reminder that spiritually all of us have uh, the defect that we're dead in sin. The context beginning uh, with chapter 40 of Isaiah is the prophecy of a time of resurrection, pardon me, restoration, affected by the great servant's son. Uh, The immediate context of Isaiah 56 is the blessings of God on true worship. And the blessings include those previously forbidden. Namely, the foreigner and the eunuch. The inner court of the temple had been fenced off from Him. They entered at the pain of death. Now there's great change. Uh, If you... If you look back at Isaiah 56, God begins to speak first to the foreigner. Uh, He's afraid of of being driven out. Uh, You know, shouldn't be here. They're going to drive me away. Uh, Obviously, uh, uh, the law of uh, Moses uh, uh, was just to that particular end. Uh, But now they no longer have to fear uh, because of uh, what God uh, is doing uh, through Jesus Christ. Uh, No longer is he going to be driven out. Christ has other sheep of the fold. He's going to gather them too. Uh, And they're not to be driven out. Uh, The eunuch says, uh, verse 3, I'm a dry tree. Uh, You know, sometimes we we say something like, you know, God would never accept or want me. What do I have to offer? Sovereign grace uh, makes the difference and uh, makes us different uh, by the sovereign power of His Word and the grace of God in Christ. I mean, I've had people tell me I was so bad. There is no way. The point is not that. The point is God is so good that makes a way in power to transform, to change. Uh, again, very interesting. Uh, in verse uh, 5 of Isaiah 56, uh, there's a as a reference to a memorial. Parents leave memorials in their children. A unit can't have children, but God's going to make a memorial, a provision. Uh, He has no ability to carry on His family name, but God's going to change that. Uh, A memorial I will give in my house and within my walls. Uh, That they are given an everlasting name will not be cut off. The grace of God. All of us should say, sometimes in pride we we think we can clean ourselves up, we can't clean ourselves up. All of us have have incredible defects, whatever our station in life and That means that the only thing that can make a difference is the grace of God and the power of His Word. And it changes in Christ because there's a new lawgiver. And now the eunuch and the foreigner are fully integrated now in worship and their names are never forgotten, uh, attesting again to the power of God in eternal security. Uh, Good reminder that God is our perpetual provision and uh, uh, has uh, in... And the witness of the church, no dry trees. And the foreigners will minister and become His servants. Very interesting, there's a very important word that's used in Isaiah. In the Old Testament, priests, uh, as you know, were a closed fraternity. Uh, no more. The word minister was used of the priests and their service in the temple. Uh, now foreigners can participate in worship. They're ministers too. Radical change. Uh, that's one of the reasons the Grace Bible Church we don't ordain people to the priesthood because the ordination is the new birth. Uh, when when uh, God births you again, He makes you a priest. Uh, and and uh, as a priest, you're to serve Him. Worship Him. Uh, in the way, in His sovereign, eternal purposes that He gifts you. Uh, he's made you uniquely different. but He's going to use that. Uh, because he's going to make you different. The power of his word. Uh, so now, now the eunuchs and the foreigners, the Gentiles, previously forbidden, can participate. Barriers are torn down. Isaiah 56:8, Christ says, I will gather them. We pick that language up of the great shepherd, John 10. I have others of the fold that I, I will gather. I will gather, and Christ is gathering. Theological illustration is seen in a very graphic way in Ephesians 2.14. There's a barrier between Jew and Gentile. Christ tears it down. It's exactly what has just occurred in the book of Acts with this eunuch. That God is gathering all without distinction uh, by His power. Uh, the time of exclusion and segregation is over. Uh, this eunuch is part of the end time restoration and God runs him to ground through Philip to illustrate that that's over. And again, the news had to have gotten back to church in Jerusalem. How do you think they received it? What in the world's going on? Well, God is what's going on. The power of God at work in the church. The power of God and his word at work in the world. Uh, It comes to us, and then it resides in us, and we become witnesses too. And God sovereignly changes the rules uh, in Jesus, the new lawgiver. Uh, For us, it's, it's a harbinger of what's going to occur in another radical event in the book of Acts, and that is an explosive gathering of Gentiles. And again, you and I uh, will, will study that the Church of Jerusalem had real problems with that because previously Gentiles were excluded no longer. And they had to struggle with the theology of that. Uh, we do that sometimes in our culture. How could God save this person? Well, just think about it. How could God save you? If He saved you, He can save anyone. You leave that to Him. Just be a witness. Uh, he's... He works the results by his own power. Uh, and so the word saves by tearing down uh, a barrier, and then let's look at the object it saves without distinction. Uh, the eunuch is reading uh, the word in Isaiah. In particular, the, uh, uh, the text is from the fourth servant song about the messianic servant's son. And uh, Philip asks him if he understands uh, what he's reading. He says, well, I, I cannot understand unless someone guides me. Uh, verse 31. Think about that for a moment in terms of the theology, that, that really all that that means. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Apostle Paul says a natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God. Uh, cannot. Because they're spiritually appraised, Paul says. They have no ability. Uh, no ability whatsoever. How can they come to faith? God has to give them ability. God has to give them faith. God has to open their eyes to understand the power of the word. To grasp it. And God alone can make that happen. It's his power. His power. By the way, as a witness, it's not even our power. We just share the Word. We have no power to do that. Only only God can do it. That's why the church, for example, historically, if you look at its attempts to understand revival, uh, sometimes thinks it can do that. Uh, Great controversy in the Second Great Awakening in uh, the American church. Certain men begin to uh, formulate services to wear people down. Uh, to use certain hymns and to get them to make decisions—that that's crossing a line. You you simply can't do that. Only God can cross that line. Just simply use the word. So God's always going to use. Uh, again, behind uh, the word in Acts chapter eight is the Spirit. Uh, Jesus says in John sixteen thirteen. But when He, the Spirit of Truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. So the Spirit is our guide. Uh, Even in that, we're utterly dependent. Uh, We can explain the text to people. Sometimes even then, they don't get it. It's a purview that doesn't belong to us. The Spirit has to ultimately guide them. And of course, it does. By the way, He did that in your life. It's not that you had some advanced degree Or uh, you majored in English and you could get it. No, you didn't get anything. You couldn't. God made the difference and and, and the process made you different. The power of the word. Uh, Another reminder of guides, Revelation 7, 17. The lamb at the center of the throne shall be their shepherd. It shall guide them to the springs of the water of life. Ultimately, we have a guide in the great shepherd of the sheep who guides us through life one of my great uh, favorite texts is uh, Psalm 23.6, Surely goodness and mercy shall guide me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, the presence of God. The beauty of that psalm is that God is in front and behind. He's the vanguard and the rear guard. And that's, by the way, the only way any of us could ever get to heaven. Uh, the vanguard and the rear guard seeing us to the end. Beginning it in the power of the gospel and seeing us to the end. And uh, the outcome is we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The beauty of the text. Uh, the, uh, the immediate context of uh, uh, Isaiah 53, again, reduplicated for us in Acts chapter 8, verse 32 and 33, it's the fulfillment of uh, the end-time restoration in Jesus. Uh, it's very important to recognize that. That's why in verse 35, Philip opened his mouth began from the Scriptures. He preached Jesus to him because Jesus is the fulfillment of all Scripture. Certainly, uh, Isaiah 53. Uh, the immediate context of the servant song is the servant's voluntary humiliation and then his triumphant vindication. His vicarious substitution is also in the context. He was pierced and crushed for our transgression and iniquities. And the chastening we deserved fell on Him. Isaiah 53.5 And the Lord, again, has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Him. Isaiah 53.6 See, theology of atonement by substitution. He took our place. He took our place. It's the only way we made it became our substitute. He was innocent because of the majesty of who he was as person of God. He's able to pay our ransom and the infinite debt of the many, paid by the infinite riches of the one, by his merit alone. It's a radical importance of substitutionary atonement. Lots of people fail this one think, well, I've got to clean myself up for God to accept me. Uh, my friend, that's an eternal event. Only an eternal person can accomplish that. It's by the merits of Christ alone. If there's anything added to that, uh, the Gospel will be confused and never understood. The merits of Christ alone. Uh, we have no merits to bring. It's the failure of a lot of theology today. We think that we can make ourselves meritorious. The Scripture disabuses us of that terrible theological error. His merits alone. The great question of the text is, uh, who shall tell it to the generation of the servant's son? For his life is removed from the earth. Uh, Acts eight thirty three. It's impossible. When the great witness is removed, how, how can a witness carry on? And with God, nothing's impossible. You know, again, Luke 1.37. How can Elizabeth and Mary have a son? It's impossible. With God, nothing's impossible. Uh, even though the Messiah is taken in death, He raises up His agents in power to carry on. So the answer of eight in use of Isaiah... Is Philip by the Spirit the answer? Uh, The witness of the Son is not cut off. It's perpetual in His agents. And Philip is just such that. And by the way, you are as well. Uh, If the Word of God has come to you in power uh, and changed your heart, He makes you a witness to carry that witness on. The results belong to Him. Your duty is simply to be a witness. Uh, The power is His. And we should leave it at that. The power is his. So Philip guides him through the word. The answer to the crucifixion is the resurrection. And the answer to the absence of the servant's son is his followers. And they carry on and cannot be stopped. That's why there's this encounter with the eunuch from Africa. And when it's over with, God sends Philip onward witnessing to the word. The answer for a guide is the Holy Spirit and the sons of God in witness. Reminder of the text is that witness came to you, transformed you, and makes you a witness to carry it to others. We're also the means of God. His servants, His priests, and witness of the Word uh, to His uh, greater glory uh, in the end of uh, His power in gathering His own so God uses His word uh, to save whom He wills. Uh, will always uh, secure the end for which He dispatches it in witness, uh, first to us, and then in us and by us. The central realization of the power of the word of God in us and to us, and then of course that we as well are transformed to be witnesses so that by us, the witness of the Son continues unabated, unhinged, unstoppable. Simply the theology of the entirety of the book of Acts and the life of the true church uh, on this grand Sunday. May God be gracious to us in understanding that power in us. uh, And then... Bias.